This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. You know, last Sunday I didn't have anything, so this Sunday it was weird. I had two trying to pick. So maybe I'll just tell you all the two and and, uh, we can take a vote uh, or not. I'll just, as I talk it through, uh, figure it out. So the first one was around taking up your cross, and neither one of these subjects are uh, disassociated from what we've been talking about because in the lives of David and Solomon, these things are relevant. But what does it look like? Because it's weird. I, I, I started looking at that instruction that Jesus gave his disciples the day before he was going to die, and telling them, if anybody's going to come after me, he has to take up his cross and follow me. Well, what in the world does that mean? What does that look like? And so I studied on that, prayed about it, read some stuff, you know, just meditating. And then the other one was um, the, uh, the idea of fixing your mind. And I think that's what we'll talk about, how to fix your mind. And as I'm saying it and as I'm looking around, this is going to be a very, very relevant topic for some people in the room. Um, Because some of y'all's minds are just jacked up. (laughs) Hey, why not just throw it out there? It's not exclusive to us, right? If you walk out of these doors and go down the street, you're going to run into somebody whose mind is just jacked up. So it's relevant all over the place, including in the church, that we need some help in getting our minds fixed. Now, there's a little play on words there that we'll get to in a few minutes, but fixing your mind, how to fix your mind. And when you talk about the mind... The word that's used in Scripture that most closely relates to what the mind would be inside of a person is the word soul. Soul of a person, the mind of a person. It's that inner being that um, thinks and feels and, and processes the internal stuff around life. And, of course, our thought processes are a big part of that. And I'm not going to get into thought patterns and neuropathways and all that. We've talked about that before. But I do want us to consider what's wrong with the mind and how to fix it. And so you, you can start with mental health, you know, which is rampant in mental health issues in the lives of people. Everybody here either has a mental health issue or you know somebody has one. And that's across our nation. It's around the world. Mental health is is a thing that uh, seems to be, I'm sure it's always been there, but it seems to be more prevalent than it's ever been. And part of that, I'm sure, is because you have uh, somebody who shows up here and there or pretty often who does something drastic that really causes a lot of damage, loss of life and all, because of their mental health issues. 
So you have depression, you have schizophrenia, you have bipolar disorder, you have things like that, which are real. They're real mental health illnesses. But those are not the only um, mental health things that we ought to be aware of and that we should know can be an issue in our lives, can hold us back, can cause us to think wrong, can cause us to make bad decisions, can cause us to do damage in relationships, to cause us to be disobedient to God. There are lots of different ways that mental health stuff can show up. So in addition to depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, those clinical kinds of things that we hear about and are very familiar to us, what about fear or some level of paranoia? Are you aware that that's an indication of poor mental health? Now, I'm not saying that that makes you crazy, but it is most definitely a mental health issue. Mental health is not unlike physical health in that some have very strong, stable mental health, they're able to think clearly. They're able to make good decisions. They're able to navigate their way through life without a lot of frustration, without a lot of fighting obstacles all the time and wondering how they're going to get where they're trying to go because they have pretty solid mental health. Physically, it's the same, right? You have people who are stronger, more fit, more flexible, able to, to move and do things and maybe play sports, maybe go hiking, maybe do that some other people can't do because of their physical limitations. So we always need to think about mental health in the same way as far as that's concerned, as we do about physical health. You have good, you have mediocre, you have not so good, and you have really bad. Okay? So if you have a person who's a quadriplegic who is in a wheelchair, that's the extreme on physical. And if you have somebody that's totally incapacitated mentally to, to the point that they have to be institutionalized, well, that's the extreme mentally. So let's kind of get it settle there and fear and paranoia are signs of mental health or, or, or the mental health not being quite where it needs to be or being mentally unhealthy to a certain degree <clears throat> so when you hear all the bad news and you hear all the bad projections and prophets of doom talking about what's coming that's gonna you know whatever whatever and that causes you to be paranoid, right? <clears throat> it causes you to always be knotted up about the possibilities. It causes you to always be looking over your shoulder, always be checking the news because you just have this expectancy about the next horrible thing that's on its way that's going to impact your life. That's a mental health issue, y'all. We need to... If we're going to be anything today, we're going to be fair and honest, okay? I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. There's no need playing games. There's no need acting like things are not like what they are, okay? If you live with a degree of fear and paranoia on you, you have a mental health issue. 
your mental health is not as good as it should be. What else? What about chronic negativity? I'm not going to ask you if you are that person. I'll just ask you, do you know that person? Because chronic negativity, and I guarantee you some of you have never thought of this, because I had never really thought about it until I started digging deep this week. Chronic negativity is an indicator of a mental health issue. That you have allowed this, this uh, stream of, of negative thought to lock in and to become part of who you are and to become part of your identity to where now it's an automatic, it's a default for you that when you look out and you see people or you see situations, the first thing that happens is you go to the negative. That's a mental health issue. What else? What about being chronically critical? Kind of the same thing. Or it works the same way. Where your mind goes to finding what's wrong first and criticizing it and having some sort of a holier-than-thou attitude towards it. I told you this was going to be relative, didn't I? Well, I'm not done. What about racing thoughts? You can't get your brain to slow down. And it's affecting your rest. And it's affecting your focus. I heard somebody say last week, and he's a pastor and he's a friend of mine. He's a ministry leader. He said, I have a lot of trouble going to sleep at night. I have a lot of trouble resting because I can't get my mind to slow down. He said, I, t I take sleep aids sometimes, but I don't like to take them all the time because I don't really want to be dependent on that. I really just want to lay down and my, my eyelids just slam shut and just get a good full night's sleep, but it just doesn't happen because the mind just going, going, going. That's a mental health issue. It doesn't make you crazy. But it by all means is a mental health issue because it is your mind that's working in a way that the mind is not supposed to be working. It's the mind going in a direction that God did not create the mind to go. That makes it a mental health issue. And then, of course, I mentioned affecting your rest. <coughs> if you can't sleep well... There's a pretty solid bet that there's some sort of a mental health issue going on that's causing that. If we rely on some medicine to help us go to sleep, then we need to think about, we need to stop thinking about just our reliance on medicine or how to uh, cause, cause ourselves to be tired enough or or to just, you know, because sometimes people lay down there physically exhausted, but they still can't go to sleep. Right? I'm not going to say in that case that it's 100% of the time, but I'd say in large part, 
there's going to be some sort of a mental health issue going on that's causing that. Okay, so a whole bunch of us can relate to something I just said. Maybe not all of it, but something I said, one of those categories hits you. And you're like, yeah, I deal with that. Yeah, that's me. And, and it may not be a, a severe level, but it's there. You recognize that it's there. And when the words came out of my mouth, it sort of just confirmed to you, yeah, I've dealt with this and I'm dealing with this, but I've never really dealt with it in terms of just laying it out there and saying, what is the solution to fix this? So let's talk about it. First of all, I want to encourage you, if I can, by telling you that you are not by yourself. It's always good to know that if we're struggling, that we're not struggling alone. That there are other people and the likelihood that those people, some of those people are really close to us, even if we've never even had a conversation with them about it, are having the same struggle. So if you come to a small church like this, and you're struggling in one of these areas I just talked about, the likelihood there's somebody else in the room that's struggling with the same thing is very high, even though it's a, a small number of people. You are not alone. This is not you being isolated on an island. This is not you being the nutcase out there by yourself, and nobody else is dealing with this. It's just you. You know, um, Charlie in the box was on the island of misfit toys, but he wasn't by himself, right? He was with lots of other toys who had issues. And it felt good to them, the misfit toys, to not be alone, right? It's somewhere where you can belong. I want to tell you that it's good to know that you're not alone, but you also need to know that you don't have to stay on the island of misfit toys. Nobody does. So you're not by yourself, and it is important to always connect yourself through relationships, and sometimes those connections can be with people who are struggling with the same things, because that, that's the whole reason for support groups, right? To take people who have common identifying factors to come together and share, because they, they know what the other person is dealing with, and they can encourage each other, they can pray for each other. It is when people start to believe that they are alone, that they're waging war against this thing all by themselves, and they start to lose all hope that they do things that are drastic. So it's very, very important. It's life and death, really, to understand that you're not by yourself and to stay connected. Secondly, Mental health issues are rampant, and they've always been here. Perhaps the only reason it seems more rampant than it ever has is because there are more people than there have ever been. I don't know. I do think there are some contributing factors in our society and around the world that are contributing to mental health issues. I don't have time to get into those, and it's, it's messy, messy stuff. 
to dive into. But if you're the parent of children, I would have a tremendous level of intentionality about making sure that my kids are not involved in anything that would contribute to a mental health issue. That they're not involved in any groups online that encourage and support ideologies that are off base or that are not based on the truth of who God is. Because those things can push them further and further away from the source, the answers, the solution, and embed them more deeply in the spots that are going to contribute to the deterioration of their mental health. Social media can be good. It can also be dangerous. It can also be deadly. We talked about David for a while, still talking about him. Listen, if you want to know whether it's been around forever or not, just read the Bible. David is described as what? A man after God's own heart. A godly man. We know he's a worshiper. We know he's always crying out to God. We know he's always repenting. We know he lives his life in disobedience. Listen to Psalm 43, verse 5. This is David, that man that I just described. This is David talking. He wrote this psalm. These are his words. He says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? David was dealing with depression. This is not the only spot. Just read the Psalms that David wrote. He wrote about half of them. And see how many times you can come across something that he says that indicates that he is down, he is depressed, he's filled with anxiety, he's filled with fear. David dealt with his own mental health issues, rose to be one of the most powerful kings that's ever lived in the history of the world, one of the most impressive human beings that's ever lived, one of the greatest leaders and warriors that's ever existed, but he dealt with serious mental health issues off and on during his life. He's a great example because not only did he deal with it, but he's the example of how to fix it. And we're getting there in a minute. What about Elijah? Pretty impressive guy, right? Prophet, man of God, warrior. He's powerful. His words carry a lot of weight. He stands up against 800 prophets of Baal with great confidence, great power, great authority, and after that's over, before you can blink twice, he is all alone in the wilderness and depressed and declaring that he wants to die. Listen, that should make us really happy. You say, why should we be happy about poor Elijah sitting out under a tree crying and wanting to die? Because it tells us that as children of God who know Him, who live in relationship with Him, who are hard after His purpose for our lives, can fall into a pit sometimes and get down and suffer a little level of depression or a deep level of depression. But Elijah also shows us how to fix it. 
Jeremiah. Now, here's a guy I just wouldn't want to be. I love the book of Jeremiah. And I've gained more probably from, from Jeremiah's writings maybe than anybody. I don't know. You know, when, when Jeremiah is, there's a book called Long Obedience in the Same Direction written by Eugene Peterson. It's, the, it's a narrative on the book of Jeremiah. And I just learned so much from it. And, you know, my focus on obedience, it really, really helped me. But he's called the weeping prophet. This dude is sad a lot. He's in the dumps a lot. So here he is. He's a prophet chosen by God, personally given the words of God to give away to the people. This is how significant of a character this is in the Old Testament. But consistently he battled loneliness and insecurity, and he cursed, at one point, the day he was born. Does that sound like a little bit of depression to you? Does that sound like he struggled to you? These are just a few examples. There, there are many, many, many more. Well, those are guys that lived hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. What about... What about now? I mean, isn't there, if you have enough money, you're not going to be depressed, right? If you're famous, I mean, there wouldn't be any reason to press. People love you. People clamor for you. People pay 100 bucks to come see you in concert. So your mental health should be strong. You should be feeling really valuable, really good about yourself, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. You got, you got, people what about robin williams what about robin williams one of the most iconic actors comedians performers entertainments in history more money than he could ever spend household name who are you going to walk up to and say who was robin williams in america that don't know right Got his star on the walk of fame. He's, 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 a, he's a headliner who falls into a pit of depression with family all around him. But he feels like he's isolated and alone in his situation. And he takes his own life. You think it's cool to be a rock star? Walk out on stage to tens of thousands of people cheering you on and all this stuff and all the money and all everything at your fingertips what about Kurt Cobain who puts a shotgun in his mouth and pulls the trigger well he's on top of the world this is not after his career's done and he's wondering what's next and he's lost his artistic edge and he's got nothing else and he's like it's no this is he's on top of the world on top of the music world Chris Cornell Chester Bennington these are guys who were in that position who took their own lives because the mental health went to a low level and they didn't know how to fix it. What about Christians? These guys were not Christians, I don't think. Not based on what I see and hear and read. What about Christians? Are we exempt? 
If we're exempt, then I might as well shut up and let's leave, right? Because it's irrelevant. About Christians, I don't. You know, you have you have prominent, well-known pastors in our country who have killed themselves. A couple years ago, a pastor, big mega church in California, thirty-something years old, little two and four-year-old sons. One had just started his first experience playing Little League Baseball the week before. Had fallen into a pit of depression and takes his own life. It's real and it's prevalent. And it's not just prevalent out there in the crazy world. It's prevalent in the house. It's prevalent in the church. Heman was one of three Levite worship leaders that David appointed. Pretty important decision uh, or position that he was given. A man who was admired. A man, he wrote a psalm, Psalm 88. And in his position as a Levite, as a worship leader, as a musician, as a songwriter, as an influencer, in verse 5, we have that verse for the screen, verse 5 of Psalm 88, or 1 to 5. Lord, this is Heman writing, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. What would you really expect if, if you know that Heman was a Levite, a worship leader, one of David's favorite guys, is in a position of authority? What would you expect if you knew that Heman wrote a psalm for that psalm to sound like? Maybe, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Maybe it would be upbeat. Maybe it would be positive. Maybe it would be about God's blessing in his life. Maybe it would be about God's strength. Maybe it would be about God being a tower and a fortress. Maybe it would be about victory over my enemies. Maybe it would be about freedom. In my heart, my mind, my soul, my life. Maybe it would be about the cool relationships that God has allowed me to grow into and to build in my own life. No. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. This guy struggled. He struggled. All right. All that is heavy. I get it. It's pretty heavy. But there is a fix, okay? And the fix is to fix. Remember I mentioned the play on words? So listen, you got to take this with you. The fix is to fix. So what do I mean by that? If you have poor mental health at any level 
And when I say that, poor mental health would be anything less than what you know God's intention for your mental health to be. Right? If I worked last week for City of Refuge, and put they they you know and I got paid. And and my pay showed up in my bank account, and usually my pay is $150. I mean that's about what they pay me. But this week it's only $125. I'm poorer than I should be, right? That's less than it should be. That's less than it's intended to be. That's less than it's stated that it's going to be if I do my job. Well, I know what God's promises are. Who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Absolutely. Exclamation point. Peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. It's not peace like the world can give. I know the promises. I know the strength that He offers. I know the wisdom that He offers. I know the clarity of thought and purpose that He offers. If I'm living at any level lower than what I know His intention for me is, then I'm poor in that area. If my mental health is less than God's intention for it, it's poor. So I know, the, I, know the, I know those things. That's not a question. But if it's not there, then what do I do? So I can't dump a dump truck load on you this morning. I'm going to give you one little, small, first step instruction. If you know you fall in one of the categories, and if you want an improvement in your mental health, do what I'm about to tell you to do as a start. Now, don't come back to me a week from now and say, Jeff, well, I did what you told me to do, and it did not fix my mental health 100%. Don't come back and say that. Briggs is recording this. I got proof. I never promised you that. But I will promise you this. If you will start here, if you will fix your mind here, it will start the progress of in, and the process of improving your mental health. Pick one verse. One verse from the Bible and fix your mind on it. If you want to fix, then fix. The formula is in front of us. I told you that David not only expressed his mental health issues, but he showed us how to fix it. What was David always doing? Fixing his focus on God. 
sitting on the throne in the fancy palace, fixing his focus on God, sitting in a cave in the wilderness with rats and cockroaches crawling around on him in 30-degree weather. He fixed his mind on God. He fixed his mind on the words of God. He fixed his mind on the ways of God. He fixed his mind on worship to God. See, here's, we're still honest, right? Y- y'all still okay with being honest? Here's what we do. We know where we are. We know what's going on. We have to nod our heads and acknowledge, yeah, I'm dealing with some of that. But we don't do the stuff. We don't start somewhere. We don't fix our minds. We don't sit with the Lord. We don't focus on the things that we know. We've been told, I'm not telling you anything new. We've been told over and over and over that God is a God of freedom. God is a God of peace. God is a God of rest. He promises you that if you will fix your thoughts on Him, that you will rest well. We just don't do it. We just don't exercise the discipline to get there. So let's just start really small. This is easy. Fix your mind on something little. Don't fix your mind on a chapter. Don't fix your mind on a whole Bible story. Just fix your mind on a verse. Let's look at some of these. Proverbs 3.24. Did I give you all that one? If not, I'll look it up. Proverbs 3.24. I brought my big old Bible up here this morning just for this purpose. Oh, this is one of the this is one of the validations on rest. When you, let me back up a little bit to verse 21. God talking about his words. This is a great preface to the the list I'm going to give you. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. That's God's words. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. (laughs) I love that. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Ah. Who needs that? Who needs that? Tracy almost every day asked me, did you rest well? Did you sleep well? And I love it when I'm able to say, you know, I slept so hard I had to get up and rest or something like that, you know. Frequently, uh, here recently, it's been, I feel like I slept pretty good, but man, the dreams are just going crazy. Just dreaming crazy stuff all the time recently for some reason. That's not like me. Now, I'm not going to try to make anything out of it. I don't know, you know. But, you know, like this, this uh, morning right before I woke up, dreaming this crazy Tracy's driving, which makes it for a nightmare sometimes. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, baby June was in the back seat in a car seat, and I'm in the passenger seat, and we're going down this busy street, and there's a transfer truck coming this way in the other lane, and there's a little like a old 
Toyota or Nissan or something in front of us. And, and that car puts its brakes on and we're coming up on him pretty rapidly. And I can tell that Tracy don't see the car is there. She's not slowing down at all. And I just said, Tracy, look. And she never hit the brakes. And we're just like, and I'm just bracing for impact. And I'm thinking about the baby. And it's just like, Phew. and we just kept going. It's kind of like the story I told you when I was young with the UPS truck. But, and, and I was like, where'd the car, where's the car? And it was like we were uh, going through uh, downtown, you know, um, the metropolis of Zebulun, where, where you got the courthouse on the left. And that truck was here. I know that's a one way, but in my dream, the truck was here. And you've got those buildings on the right. So it's like there was no room. And she didn't swerve or anything, but somehow we didn't hit the car. We just and the car just wasn't there when I looked back. It just wasn't. And then I just woke up. It's, and it's just like these, this, uh, this succession of stupid dreams over and over and over going on with me right now. I don't know what that means, but I do know this. I love it when my sleep is sweet, when it's just restful, when it's just you just get up feeling good and you know you had a good night's rest. That's a promise from God. So, and one more, this is one of my favorite ones, and it's three verses, not one, but Psalm 40 is one of my favorite Psalms, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I waited, now listen, why can't we just put it on pause sometimes? Just make a decision, hey, I'm pausing right here. And I'm just going to wait. The psalmist David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Just waited on him. Just cleared it out. Sat down. Or at least internally, just put it in wait mode. Didn't feel urgency to do anything, to go anywhere, to say anything to anybody. Just waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry and what did he do he lifted me up out of a pit out of the mud and mire and he set my feet on a rock and he established my goings and he put a new song in my mouth even praise to our God that's a beautiful picture of just clearing the slate and waiting on the Lord so I want to finish up just by giving you, and I, I should have had these for the screen, but I'm going to email them out <clears throat> tomorrow. And you don't have to use one of these. Just find something to fix your mind on, okay? Fix your mind on it. Now, before I read them, that's going to take on a little bit of an individual flavor. You do it however you need to. If it's me, when I wake up in the morning, what I should do is to just get up, do the normal, you know, go to the bathroom, go make coffee, sit down, and do not look at social media. Do not look at any news headlines. Do not look at the internet at all. First thing I do is go to this verse. Go to this verse, read it a few times, and then start saying it out loud. Speak it out loud. 
And then throughout my day, just keep going back to it. Speaking it out loud. Maybe put it to music. Make a song out of it. And just make this a constant part of your day. Fix your mind on it. You see, if your mind is like my mind, it's too simple to be fixed on too many things at one time. So what I know for me is if my mind is fixed on this, there's a great likelihood it's not going to be fixed on this. Remember the things I opened up with? Your worry, your fear, your anxiety, your paranoia, your critical spirit, your negativity. Well, if your mind is fixed over here on this verse and on this promise and on this truth, then it's not going to be fixed over here. This is how you fix the mind. You fix it by fixing it, fixing it on the right thing. Proverbs 3.24. Maybe you put these in your phone and, and uh, then you can choose later. Proverbs 3.24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I just read it. Listen, so you get up in the morning and it's not time to go to bed because you just got up. But you start your day by declaring and fixing your mind on this. When I lie down tonight, I will not be afraid. When I lie down, my sleep is going to be sweet. And you just repeat that over and over and over throughout the day and you post it in places where you can see it. And guess what's probably going to happen on that first night? Your sleep is not going to be sweet. So what do you do? Get up the next morning frustrated, throw your hands up, give up, and, and, and just say that don't work and send me an ugly message saying you lied to me, it didn't work. No, you keep doing it. The fixing takes some time. Much as we like to think that God just swipes everything that's bad out of our lives the minute we repent. It just doesn't happen that way. It's that sanctification I read about to open the service. It's that internal transformation that happens in process over time. Psalm 3 and 5, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, I love it. The Lord was watching over me. Last night we were at the rodeo and we were watching the radar. And the radar was watching over us because there was lightning popping everywhere and the wind came in and the rain was, was driving. And, and that can create some anxiety in you and that's natural. I'm not saying we should never have that. But is it a better idea just to say, I'm going to lay down and sleep because I know I'm going to wake up in safety because the Lord is going to be watching over me. Don't you think your mind and heart would be encouraged throughout the day if you just kept repeating that? One that we all know, very familiar, Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I talked about racing thoughts. Sometimes racing thoughts turn into racing conversations.
racing narrative, racing dialogue. And a whole lot of time, there's not not, going to be anybody else in the room or in the car with us. (laughs) But we're talking it out, right? We're reviewing it. I found myself talking out loud, going down the road sometimes, having a full-blown conversation, nobody there but me. And sometimes those conversations are not good conversations to have. (coughs) Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Matthew 6.34. Matthew 6.34. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Do you know how often we live in tomorrow? Never. Because by the time tomorrow gets here, it's not tomorrow anymore. It's today. So why don't we just focus on today, fix our mind on the right thing today, and let tomorrow be whatever it's going to be. Psalm 116, verse 7. Return to your rest. This is one of my favorite ones right here. This would be an outstanding one for some of us to just fix on. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. It's so simple, so easy to remember, so powerful, so true, so encouraging, focuses on His work and nothing I can do for myself. Return to your rest. Just talking to your soul. Return to your rest because the Lord has been so good to you. I got five more. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I love this one too. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. In safety. Is there danger out there? Yeah. Is there evil out there? Yeah. But should we lay down at night just consumed with what the evil might do to us during the night? Or should we lay down at night just declaring the safety of the Lord? Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That, that weary and burden just takes on this air of mental health. You're just down. You're just depressed. You're beaten by life. You're oppressed. You just feel this sense of helplessness. He says, come to me. Fix. Fix on me. In John 14, 27, we know, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And of course, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares or anxieties on Him, knowing He cares for you.
Hey, I've given you a practical step. That's it. We've acknowledged what's there. We've been fair and honest about it. I think we agree that the way to fix it is to fix. And I've given you some stuff you can fix on. If one of those verses, and I gave you 12 of them, doesn't lodge, find one that does. Right? And fix on it and make it something. You know how we do a word for the year? It's kind of like that. Some of us, if we were asked what our one word is for the year, we've already forgotten it. Well, I'm not, I don't want you to do that. I want you to commit. There's going to be a next step. But the next step is built off of the first step. So you have to retain the first step. Fix on a word from the Lord, a promise. And let him do his work. Father, I don't even know where all this came from. Well, I, I do, but I know it didn't come from me. And it seems like it's kind of out of the blue. Um, but it's here, and it, I, I felt the power in it as I was sharing it. And I know there are people in the room who need it and who are impacted by it. And the opportunities in front of us, there are no guarantees, it's an opportunity. And what happens in each of us is going to depend on what we each individually do with the opportunity. So your challenge is before us that we fix. Your word also tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the beginner, the author, the writer, and the finisher of our faith. And that's what we're doing. Your words, your truth. You are the one true God. You're at the center. And we offer ourselves to you, fixated on you, and desirous of the transformational work you have planned for us. We give you much, much thanks and praise for it. Amen. <laughs>